Good evening. I hope everybody is having a reasonably easy fast. I, um, I hope everybody understands this is the regular Thursday night shear of uh, Halacha and then Parsha. <clears throat> The, where we discussed two weeks ago the basic halachas of keeping a secret, of gili sight. So we mentioned that this iser is included within the general iser of Lashon Hara, but in truth it's its own avera, learned from Gemara Mesechtas Yuma, which derives this halacha from the fact that Moshe, every time he was given a command by Hashem, it was prefaced with, Hashem was told Moshe to say, which means Hashem had to give him express permission to go say it. And this is where we learn that unless if someone tells you something, unless he gives you permission to share it, it's understood that it's Gilead, it's a secret and you have to keep it a secret. We discussed whether this halacha only applies when someone takes you into confidence, or does it even apply to information that you happen to find out on your own, although it's information that you know the person would probably rather keep, be kept a secret? So there's a, disagree- a disagreement among the Paiskim on this regard, and some say, it seems like the majority view is that really it only applies when a person is actually taken into confidence, but if you happen to find out something, this iser doesn't apply. But it does seem that in the spirit of this halacha, the right thing is to keep, if you know somebody would rather something be kept a secret, the right thing is to keep it a secret. The question I would like to address tonight is whether secrets have the same rules as Lashon Hara regarding when someone is allowed to speak Lashon Hara. In other words, we know that regarding Lashon Hara, that if it's a TLS, if it's important and beneficial and, and sometimes crucial that someone else knows this information, you're allowed to share it. Right, so if you know something about someone, the you know the, the classic example would be in shiduchim, right? When someone wants to do a shiduch with someone else, and there's something in the family, there's perhaps a, an illness, there's perhaps something going on in the family that it's very important for the other person to know and and be aware of before going into a shiduch. So you are, um, you're you're not only allowed to tell that other person, but you're obligated to tell that other person. It's like Sam al-Dam. Uh, you're not allowed to let the other person go into something and, which could be very detrimental to him. So there, in Hilchus Lashon Hara, there's this halacha that when it's a te'elas, you can teach, the, you can let the other person know. And there are rules. We've given shiurim in the past about this. There's a rules how it works when you say Lashon Hara le'te'elas. There's seven conditions, which you know, all, all basically are to make sure the person doesn't get too damaged and etc., but you're allowed to do it. Now, does this apply to divulging secrets as well? If you were taken into confidence by a friend, right, and the person told you they have a seri- serious me- uh, medical condition, and then afterwards, after they told you that, you were approached by someone else about a shidduch for this person, and you happen to know this piece of information, but the only way you know this information is because you were told that in confidence. Does this halacha apply? Are you allowed to share that? Or it's gilisaid, and even though it's a te'alas, gilisaid isn't governed by the same heterim which Lashon Hara has. Now, this is something actually just happened to me, not in regard to shiduchim, but someone told me something that had happened to him, an event that had happened to him, 
and asked me expressly not to share it with his family. And the truth is, though, that this event that happened to that person demonstrated that he was in a compromised situation medically. And it was very important that his family find out. So it was a very, it was a very difficult position to be in where I knew something that the family needed to know, essentially to protect them. And, but he had expressly told me and asked me not to share it. So what, what do you do now? The Rav, Rav Nissen Karelitz Zatal in his Sefer Chut Shani quotes a story about a prominent Dayan who approached the Chazanish with a similar dilemma. He had presided over a case, a divorce case, and in the course of the proceedings of the divorce, many, uh, many personal facts became, you know, be brought up were brought up in the case, and the, the husband in the partic- this particular case was suffering from certain health issues. And then, after the divorce was on, done and finished, this die-in was approached by a woman and asked information about the man. Wanted to know, should she do a shidduch with that person? Should she marry him? And now he knew that there were very serious health issues, but he found out those things in confidence. The Adin the, is, is one of the most serious um, breaches of, of confidentiality if you let out any information. And the Chazanish, he asked the Chazanish, what should he do? So the Chazanish said, he's not permitted. He's not permitited to share that information. That information was given to him and, you know, and, 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 and under the auspices of a, of a, of a din taira, and it's confidential, and it's a secret, and he's not permitted to let the other person know. However, he said, he can advise the woman not to do the shidduch. He could say, look, I, I can't tell you what I know, but I'm giving you advice that to stay away from it that you could do. And, you know, this is applicable to uh, all kinds of situations, especially people who are in the, the professional fields of, you know, they're doctors, they're mental health professionals and uh, lawyers and et cetera. You can become aware of information, which both halachically from Gilly's side and also, you know, secular laws, the HIPAA laws and et cetera, all are, they, they prevent you from sharing that information, and then you get stuck in this position where someone asks you, you know, what should I do? And uh, what the Chazanish is saying is that you can give the person advice, general advice, but you can't actually divulge the information. Now, Karelitz says, or Nissen Karelitz says, that even though the Chazanish said, so, said this, it, it, it stands to reason that if a great need is present, you are still obligated to divulge the secret. So he says, like, if someone, of course, is planning to harm someone else. He's planning to humiliate someone else, right? He's planning to steal, to damage them. So you certainly are obligated to give that information over, even if it was entrusted to you in secret. Um, But he says, even if you became aware, if someone is doing dangerous behavior, right? He says like a bachar is taking drugs and it can affect all the other bacharim in the yeshiva. He could start sharing it. There also, even if you were taken into confidence and the bachar shared that information with you, you're obligated to to, to give over that information. And it seems like the, the line he's drawing, the difference is like this. The difference is, is that if the information is information that can actually harm someone, it can actually cause a person real harm, both spiritually and physically, so then you're obligated to share that information. If it's something, it's information which would affect a person's decision, like when going into a shidduch, you would 
change your decision based on that information. So then he's saying then you can give advice, but you aren't entitled to share the information. But if it's something, if what you were, the secret you were given is something that can actually harm someone else, that is, uh, that, then, then you are required to share it. So that's the, that is the conclusion that of Karelitz arrives at, but obviously all these things are very difficult and complicated shilas and would need to be discussed with a Paisek before taking action. Parashas Pinchas this week, last parasha ended, parashas Balak, and, and this one begins with Pinchas picking up a spear and killing Zimri and killing Kazbi Basur with Kanois zealously protesting the Chil Hashem that they were making. And Pinchas is the quintessential Kanoi. Pinchas is rewarded by Hashem for his Kanois in this parsha. Now, if we examine the Psukim closely, it seems that he got two rewards, two rewards for what he did. One Pasik says, L'chein amar es brisi shalem. Please, then, please say, tell him that I'm giving him a covenant of peace. The second Pasik says, Him and his children afterwards will now have the covenant of Kahuna. They'll become Kahanim. He wasn't a Kayan up till this point. And now he became a Kayan and his children were all Kahan. So he's rewarded with the covenant of peace, Brisi Shalom, and he's rewarded with becoming a Kayan. What's the first thing? What's the covenant of peace, Brisi Shalom? So the way that Sepharna explains, Brisi Shalom means that he was Zeicha, he became Eliyahu Navi, who lived forever. So Shalom means Shlemus, he became perfect. He became the most perfect human being and therefore didn't die. He reached that level of perfection of like Adam Rishon before the Chet, where death was not something that happened to him. So that was Brisi Shalom. And in addition, he became a Kayan. But why were there two rewards for one act, two rewards for one deed? So the Kedushas Levi, the Bedichav Rebbe, says a fascinating pshat in this. And it's a very appropriate for the Kedushas Levi, as you'll see. So he makes an additional observation that the Pasik says, Pinchas ben Allah ben Aaron HaKayin, Heishiv is Hamasim al Bnei Yisrael. He removed my anger from, from Ka Yisrael. Bekana is Kinasi B'Seicham. When he zealously avenged me, B'Seicham, amongst them within Klal Yisrael. That's a strange word. What does that have to do? He, he, he avenged me. He took revenge on Kazbi and on, and on Zimri. What does it mean, B'Seicham, within Klal Yisrael? What's, that, what's the relevance of that word? So the Kedusha Slavi explains that Pinchas didn't merely do an act of kanos, of, of zealousness to avenge Hashem's honor, because that alone would have caused a great kitrog on Klal Yisrael. It would have been Ma'ir Midas Haddin. It would have brought a a greater Midas had been upon them. But Chazal tell us that that's not what Pinchas did. Pinchas, when he killed Zimri and Kazbi, he took the spear that had their bodies and he threw it to the ground. And then he went to Kaddish Baruch and he davened and he said, because of these two people, you're killing out 24,000 Jews. They all have to die because of the sins of these two people. So he was Mulamit's Chusan Klai Yisrael. He was trying to find a way to reignite a Kaddish Baruch's Midas Rachamim. He was trying to find a way to reignite a Kaddish Baruch's love of Klai Yisrael. And that's how he was successful in stopping Hashem's anger and halting the destructive plague, which was killing so much of Shevet Shimon, 24,000 Jews. So therefore, he was awarded two rewards. He was given Shalom. Shalom is perfection. And perfection was a reward for avenging Hashem's honor. Because Kiddush Hashem, when Hakadosh Baruch Hu's 
presence is recognized when a Kaddish Baruch Hu is served in perfection, that's when the world will come to its perfection. That's when the world will come to its tachlis. So he brought about some Kiddush Hashem. He brought about a certain level of recognition of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So he was to personal perfection. Risi Shalom. But he was given the gift of kahuna, that Kiddush Levi says, because he looked for a way to avert Hashem's anger from Kal Yisrael and bring back the Midah of Rachmanus. That's why he became a Kayin. A Kayin, what does a Kayin do? A Kayin is mechakra on Kal Yisrael. A Kayin brings karbanis. A Kayin finds a way to have a Kal Yisrael's sins removed, and a Kaddish Baruch Hu should once again treat them with mercy. Because he did that, because he looked for a way to do that, he was successfully zeichet to become a Kayin. And that's why the Pasik says Besaicham. And this is a very fascinating, it's a fascinating observation. That means he was doing a kanais. He was going to Klai Yisrael. He was looking at their sins. He was becoming infuriated by it. He was becoming angry. And he took action. He was a kanoi. He took action and he killed someone, a violent act. But he didn't separate himself from Klai Yisrael by doing that. That would be the typical approach a person would take when you become angry at someone else. You become you, you become infuriated by their actions, by the wrongness of it, and you, you, you become overcome with justice, you separate yourself from that person, you judge them. But he didn't do that. He remained a B'Saycham. He kept his Midas Arachmanus of Klai Yisrael. He kept his love for Klai Yisrael, and he still tried to be Mulamed's Chos. And therefore, he was Zeichet to become a Kayan, who intrinsically, a Kayan is connected to Klai Yisrael. That's B'Saycham. That's what the lady says. And we all know this is especially appropriate for the Kedushas Levi, the Bedicha Rebbe, who there are so many stories who he found every possible opportunity to be Mulamud's Chus and Klai Yisrael, to find Chusim, to find, find ways to, to, to find Chus for Klai Yisrael. Now, the Gemara Zvachim says even, th- even further, the Gemara Zvachim, Dafkuf Alam from the base, brings the opinion of Ravashi that although Pinchas was rewarded by becoming a Kain, it didn't actually happen yet didn't come to fruition yet. It was a bracha, it was a blessing that he should become a kain, but he didn't actually become a kain yet until much, much later. There was a story in the end of Sefer Yeshua that the Bnei Gad and Bnei Ruvain, who were the ones who took up residence on the other side of the yard and separate from Klai Yisrael, they built a mizbeach for themselves, a big mizbeach. And Klai Yisrael, who lived on their side of the yard, found out about this, and they immediately took this to mean that they were going to serve by Dizara, because Kal Yisrael had the Mishkan, and that's where everybody was bringing Karbanas, and here they're building their own Mizbeah. And they became very upset, and they became, they, they, they took up arms. Kal Yisrael gathered together, assembled an army to wage war against Bnei Gad and Bnei Ruvain to stop them from this Mizbeah. This was at a point where Kal Yisrael was still at a very high level, and they were not willing to accept the possibility of Eshevit serving by Dizara. And they even quoted in their their, their anger, the story of what happened in our, our parasha where Shevet Shimon started serving by Dizara, and look how many people died. But before they started the war, they sent an emissary. They sent a shliach to talk to them. Makes sense, right? They sent Pinchas. And Pinchas went and communicated with Bnei Gav and Ruben. And Bnei Gav and Ruben explained that they didn't build this Mizbeach for the sake of bringing Karbanis. No, they built it as a symbol. Their children are going to be on the other side of the yard and they're not going to see the Mishkan, they're not going to see the Beis HaMikdash, they're going to forget what it means to serve Hashem with Karbanis. So they built this Mizbeach just as a symbolism that their children should identify and know that Kal Yisrael has a Beis HaMikdash. And Pinchas successfully managed to negotiate a peace between all the Shvatim and the war was aborted, averted. And it was at that moment when he brought peace in Kal Yisrael 
that he was Zeichel to the Kohuna. There, the Pasig refers to him as Pinchas Akayin. Not Pinchas ben Alazah ben Aaron Akayin, Pinchas Akayin. And that's when he was Zeichel to the Kohuna. So it's because of that he brought peace, he brought Shalom, he brought Rachmanus in Klai Yisrael, that he was Zeichel to Kohuna. Now, this is a fascinating thing. And just think about it a little bit. And you see the godless of this act of Pinchas, the greatness. He was consumed with anger. Like we said, he was the quintessential Kanoi. He was consumed with the disrespect and the disgrace for HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name, the Chil Hashem that was happening. And he took action, a violent action. And, and Kali Yisrael was in the midst of a tremendous Avera. They were sinning with Gilei Arayas, with the B'nai Smidjan. They were sinning in Avedazara with Baal Pa'ar. They were doing the two out of the three Gimel Chamuras. They were doing the worst Averas possible. They were in a terrible state. And he was very angry about it. But he still found in himself the Midah of Rachmanis, to be Mulamad's Chusan Kali Yisrael. Think of this, you know, think about this for a minute. You have a boy who's a troublemaker. He's a troublemaker. He's, he's, he's constantly breaking the rules, disobe- disobeying in school. And then one day he goes to school and he does the supreme act of breaking the rules. He starts playing with fire. And he sets something on fire. And the sprinklers go off. And it disrupts the whole school. And everybody goes running. The fire alarms go off. Everybody goes running outside. And the principal's running around and there's a pandemonium. Every- and he catches this kid red-handed in his act of making a fire. So at that moment, can you possibly expect from this principle where this kid broke the rules, set a fire, turned on the sprinkler system, disrupted the whole school, endangered people, to have Rahmanus on this kid and have any kind of love in his heart and say, oh, you know, let's just look at his good side, look, look at the good things that he did. We would be impressed if the principal manages not to physically harm the child. Right? You just think about it. How, how could you simultaneously, where you're righteously very angry, rightfully infuriated at this tremendous act of disobedience and, 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 and causing danger, you know, endangering other people, find in your heart Midas Arachmanis? It's almost impossible. And that's what Pinchas did because Kaisho was sinning with Gilearais. There was sinning with with Venice Midian, with Avedis Zara, and they were causing tremendous destruction. 24,000 people died in a plague. Those were numbers that we couldn't even wrap our heads around, and unfortunately now it means something to us. Right? A pandemic where people died and died and died, and they caused it. And he still found Rahmanis. And he said, No, Akadish Baruch, it's Zimri and Kazbi, the leadership was at fault, attributed to them, and have Rahmanis on Towards the end of the parasha, Moshe makes a request of Hashem. He says, Hashem He says, find someone, we need a new leader, I'm going to pass away, I'm not going to be in Klaus Yisrael, who is going to be the new leader? But he addresses HaKadosh Baruch in a fascinating way. He calls him the God of Spirits. What does this mean? So Rashi explains. It means, it's you know, that everybody is different, and everybody thinks differently. Appoint someone who can lead them and can be He can deal with everybody according to the way they think. Hashem, you know how everybody thinks. Appoint someone who can, who can do that, has the patience to deal with everybody's way of thinking. And Hashem answers him, 
Someone who has spirit, Rashi says, he's the man who can deal with everybody, who has the patience. And seemingly this was the only and most important quality in leadership, which Moshe Rabbeinu identified, having ruach, which means having that spirit, having that savlanus, having the patience and insight to understand everybody, identify with them, respect their way of thinking, and be able to lead accordingly. This is a tremendous godless, because simultaneously people's different way of thinking can cause great friction, it can cause machlaikis, it can cause, they, they can be very wrong, <laughs> and they can be doing the wrong thing, and they could be sinning, and you have, have the ability to relate to them, and to respect their way of thinking, and thereby be able to guide them. The situation where we find ourselves in, in coronavirus pandemic, has caused, causes great confusion. And as we're seeing, everybody has their own way of dealing with it and approaching it. And people feel very strongly about it. And I think it's important that we recognize and respect every person's opinion while we, we might disagree and we might think it's the wrong way, that's what the Torah requires of us, that kind of patience to maintain our love for every Jew, maintain our ahava, our midas rahmanas on every person, despite the fact that they have different ways of thinking and different ways of approaching. It's inevitable. People are deyaseim, china zemizeh. People have different ways of thinking, different ways of approaching. And we can't allow people's different view to affect our ability to love every Jew, to love every person, and to accept every person, and to, to honor them and respect them, and, and, and disagree, but disagree respectfully. And that's the, the beauty and godless of leadership, which is just demonstrated in the beginning of the Passion and the Passion. And so much so in the three weeks where we know what the challenge is, is developing our midah of Avas Yisrael and developing our ability to overcome our differences so much so, so when there is a crisis going on like there is now it's especially challenging to be able to still have that Rahmanas, that Sablanas, the patience and the love for someone else, those two things are so connected and to be able to respect every person because Baruch will grant us that ability to respect everybody, to honor every person, and to love every Jew. And with that, may we be zeicha to the Binyan Beis HaMikdash and be as Mashiach Zekein of Meher May everybody have an easy fast, the end of the fast, and a wonderful Shabbos. Have a good night.